You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Folks, last week there was a cryptic public warning uh, made by Representative Michael Turner, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, that the U.S. had new intelligence about a serious national security threat and of course that set the news agencies off and running trying to learn more about this uh, intelligence that ultimately led to uncovering certain details of an anti-satellite weapon that was uh, uh, deployed by russia here to talk to us about it lieutenant colonel daniel davis senior fellow and military expert with the defense priorities uh lieutenant colonel welcome to the show Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you inviting me. When I first heard this information, I was like, oh, my God, now what? You know, in light of everything that's going on in the Middle East and Ukraine and, and, and the China situation uh, with Taiwan. Um, and it turns out to be uh, the Russians here. What, what is it exactly that we're talking about? Well, you know, I think it's been a lot of hype because actually it's not that a new weapon was deployed, which would have been a little bit more concerning. This was a capacity that is being sought. It's something that they're, uh, they have an aspiration to create. But the, the bigger issue is that Russia has had anti-satellite capabilities for decades. I mean, for a long time, they've had the ability to shoot down satellites. Uh, we do. The Chinese do. Uh, so it's it's nothing new. It hasn't changed anything that didn't already exist. And uh, it's a little suspect, frankly, that uh, the chairman made this, uh, you know, this kind of statement as though there was something imminent that was hanging over our heads uh, because there really wasn't. And, you know, a lot of people suggest that this was just an attempt because he's also a big advocate of sending money to Ukraine to hype up the Russia threat to make people say, oh, well, we really better uh, make Russia fight harder on the battlefield, you know, because we've got this space issue but those are completely unrelated. Uh, I, I'm just speculating there. I don't know for sure. Uh, but I can say with a lot of confidence that there is nothing imminent or changing that, that would alarm Americans. Um, he's a Republican uh, because they hold the majority in the House, obviously serving as the chairman. Uh, but but it did set off some kind of strange and odd diplomatic communications through mediaries that um, – we, we really kind of almost had enemies communicating with enemies ab- about this information. Well, I'm, you know, of course, I'm, I've been an advocate for quite a long time that we need to be talking to everybody. That used to be the normal thing of diplomacy. I mean, you go all the way back through the, the Cold War, and we were always talking to the Soviet Union, even when, you know, and especially actually during like the, the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis when everything was at stake. But we did throughout the whole Cold War uh, so it used to be a normal thing to talk to even your adversaries, because otherwise, how are you going to make sure that there are no mistakes, miscalculations, uh, misinterpretations, et cetera? So if that was the case, then that's a good thing, because we need to be talking to even Russia. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Um, in fact, my follow-up question it was going to be that what you just answered was, why is that strange? Why are people calling that strange? Because, uh, as you point out, there's value into talking to everyone, right? I mean, we're seeing that in the Middle yeah. East. We're seeing that uh, uh, not as much as we would like to in Ukraine at, at the present time, but uh, certainly we're seeing that in, in a communications with China relative to Taiwan. Yeah, and, and the reason why it, it's coming across as strange is because there's been, you know, kind of seeping into American foreign policy over the last few decades after the Cold War, especially, is this thing that we don't talk to anybody we don't feel like talking to. You know, we're not going to talk to terrorists, for example, or we're not going to talk to regimes we don't like, like Cuba or North Korea, uh, or, or if Putin's not doing something we like to, to them as well. And, you know, we've been on and off even with some of the, the Chinese people and some of their um, higher military echelons with the Department of Defense, et cetera. Uh, I think that there are so those in the, the State Department and in the U.S. foreign policy at large recognize that that's not a really smart thing to do because, I mean, literally, if you're obviously, if you're not talking, you're not even having the possibility of resolving anything. A lot of people want to use the, the idea that you don't talk to them and you talk tough so that it makes them come back to you. And that's just not working. So now we have to go back to old-fashioned normal diplomacy, Lieutenant Colonel. But it, it, it has turned out in 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 the not so distant past that we util, we characterize that as a political weakness, and we use it as a political tool in attacking one party or the other. Uh, I know that it came up in the previous two presidential elections, where you know somebody was talking to our adversary. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, I think that's. I mean, if I could just be so blunt, that's childish, uh, and it's pejorative. It's just trying to make your opponent look weaker because they're talking to somebody and, you know, making it sound like there's something wrong with that. But when actually I think the opposite is true, there's something wrong if you're not talking to them. But uh, that's just, you know, part of politics this way is these days is using whatever tool and device you can to make your opponent look weak and to make you look strong, whether that happens to be good for the country or not. That's just kind of how they do it, I guess. Let me ask you just uh, because I I don't know much about this, but if someone was to deploy some type of anti-satellite system, and what I mean by deploy is actually use it, um, what goes on in space is pretty indiscriminate, right? I mean, you, you have little or no control once you decide to blow something up where the debris field goes. You may put your own satellites at risk. And, and your own allies' satellites at risk by blowing anything up out, out, out there. Absolutely. That is 100% right. And we, we know that for a fact because in 2007, the Chinese uh, tested one of their anti satellite uh, missiles uh, allegedly on one of their own satellites because it was in danger, so they claimed, but it was clearly a test. And it did. It had this enormous debris field. Uh, sending literally thousands of pellets moving at thousands of miles per hour hurtling around the space, and it just continued to expand on its on its orbit. That, that's just one missile and one satellite, which now other satellites have had to navigate and maneuver out of that field so that they don't get hit. If you have a large-scale deal, because apparently the capability that, that, this, uh, that Russians are trying to get would be a massive strike that could, like, take out a whole – area, a whole region of space above a, of an opponent or whatever above themselves, uh, and, and if it did, it would just create this massive, massive field that 
now that it would hit your own satellites. And, you know, it's not something you can just redeploy new ones if they get shot down like a plane that falls out of the sky because the debris stays up in the air, uh, the space above the air. So anything else you put in there would be at, at common risk of being hit. And the more debris, uh, the more likely it is that to happen. So it, it would almost shut down space uh, in that field for indefinite amount of time. Is this more of a game that's being played? I mean, you know, with releasing some of this information, I mean, you know, when we, when it becomes known of aspirations, but as we point out, there's no way of controlling what's going to ultimately happen up there. Yeah, it, it is uh, definitely a, a gamesmanship. Uh, everybody plays it. Uh, you know, the one side wants to, you know, leak the information to, to scare your side into thinking we can do something. Uh, the other side wants to say, oh, well, if you do that, then there's going to be these consequences, so you better not. And, you know, and then it all comes down to, you know, what happens. I mean, we try to – obviously, it's the best if you can influence your adversary with words as opposed to actions that could have consequences that could rebound. So you'd rather do that. But, the, you know, the concern comes as if one day one side or the other uh, thinks they can either get away with it or if they feel compelled to act in a certain way and, you know, once these things happen, I mean, I can't imagine any scenario right now where either Russia, China, or the United States would uh, attack one of the adversaries' satellites and it not get returned immediately, which now then puts everybody's space. And you're talking, you know, Internet, uh, you're talking GPS, everything gets messed up uh, potentially for decades. We're in election year. This kind of seemed as though a kind of a scorched earth approach. How, how dangerous is the way that this actually played out? I mean, you know, for me, I was expecting something a lot worse once I started educating myself as to what we were talking about. But it occurred to me that we're playing a, a very dangerous game on a slippery slope by calling out just in general well, we've got a new national security threat out there, and somebody needs to start talking about it. Well, if there was a, a, an imminent threat to the United States, like like if if the president didn't say something, we could get hit, and Americans wouldn't even know about it. We could take action, something that would be one thing. And and in fact, when I first heard it, I I just assumed that it was something like that. That oh my gosh, what is going on? But then when you find out that it's it's nothing at all imminent. Uh, it's not even an actual capacity yet. It's just an aspiration. Then it just kind of makes you roll your eyes. And in, in that case, I think the danger is now that you start to not believe anything that's coming out of anybody in Washington because they're just using things to, to try and to manipulate the political situation in their favor or something like that. And, uh, you know, degraded trust in the government is a real problem to me. Yeah, I mean, they're at an all-time low now. I mean, how, how much lower do you want right. to go? Right. Exactly. How far can it go? I mean, how far can it go? Exactly. Correct. I mean, but I'm glad that that you as an expert are saying the same thing. I I thought it was something so much more. And I was like, yeah, what are we doing? Uh, How does this kind of embarrassing for for the congressman that once the truth did come out, uh, because then people are going, well, dude, what are you talking about? Uh, You know, because then it kind of. It does. It's, it lessens the credibility of anything else he's going to say. And you're talking to somebody who's the chairman of the Intel Committee for the United States Congress, and it's just not a good look. Yeah, and I think it's really dangerous when you have someone like myself who doesn't know anything about any of this, uh, who characterizes it in that fashion, because you, just as you uh, appropriately pointed out, it ends up being the boy that cried wolf. 
Um, and yeah, it you know when it when when it repeats itself, how disruptive is this type of activity when we when we the way that this is played out to the intelligence gathering community? Well, you know, it, it just is. It's another ding. Uh, frankly, we, we've seen so many times intelligence being misused. Uh, for political purposes, I mean, you don't have to go too much farther back than the 2003 invasion into Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction. And, you know, we were told the intel community was so sure about this stuff, and they weren't. They never were. But, you know, certain political figures, uh, I'm sorry, intelligence figures were used by the uh, political community to get a certain outcome. And, you know, now we know it was it was fake all the time. And that's unfortunately only one example. There's plenty of others. Uh, and that's that's the danger is because and I, I know if I actually on my show, Daniel Davis, deep dive, I had a former CIA officer on the other day that lamented. We were talking about this, that there are so many of the action level officers in the intelligence community, whether it be a CIA, DIA or any of these other intelligence agencies we have that know the truth. They realize what's going on. And when they see these statements coming by senior officials out, it just is discouraging to them because they know that the. Here's the true intelligence because I helped produce it, and then they see it being misused up at the top. And, uh, you know, it's really discouraging even to the intel professionals, most of whom are really good at what they do. And many of whom have folks out there, if it's not themselves, risking their lives trying to gather this information, right? Right. I mean, that's the reason we have intelligence, so that we can make sure that everybody is safe, that our country is not caught off guard, that we don't have another Pearl Harbor type event. You know, that catches us blindside. That's why we need intelligence, because there are plenty of folks out there who would do bad things to us if they got a chance. And we need intelligence community to keep us safe. Yeah, it's going to be I just find it, especially with the the three things that we're dealing with right now, not to repeat myself, the you know, the Israeli Hamas uh, situation, Ukraine, Russia and then China, Taiwan, it, that um we should be more careful about what we say, who we say it to, and how we say it, especially members of Congress that are sitting as a chairman of a committee. Um, well, exactly. I mean, and, and as a matter of fact, this is another level because one of the things my uh, Mike Domino, the former CIA officer, told me on, on our air last week was he said this is a concerning thing to him because it, when this gets used and put out like that, uh, you know, this now that it's public knowledge that, you know, we know of this new aspiration – what it tells the Russians is, okay, hang on, that means that somebody somewhere we've been penetrated. So now then they have to go back and look for a leak or look for a place where they were uh, compromised. Then they find it and they plug that leak. So now then all of a sudden we don't have the ability to continue monitoring it because the, the opening has been closed. That's the real harm of this, and that's why uh, he, he may have been trying to do something for political purpose here, but it had a backfiring effect, and now then – that's a, a, a window to what Russia was doing that we probably don't have now. And side B to that uh, LP may be that uh, we could easily manipulate U.S. officials into saying things that we want them to say. I mean, well, yeah, that's that's exactly right. That was the other side of it. And, and uh, yeah, they're both bad. Yeah, yeah. Side A is bad. Side B is worse. <laughs> I mean, it's just—I don't know. It's—it's it's hard to get your head around this and, and the motivations that are playing out here. But thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate your time and your insight. Have a great week. You bet. Thanks. Same to you. All right, that's Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Davis, senior fellow and military expert with Defense Priorities. We will be right back, folks. Five zero four two six zero one eight seven on the Oakland Art Jewelers Talk and 
text line. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.